Uh, welcome again to the podcast. Welcome to the live. Um, just to kind of restart here, I am going to be doing a film review of the new uh, independent film Sound of Freedom that came out on July 4th of this year, just last week, last uh, or about, about two weeks ago now. And uh, great marketing strategy to release it on the 4th because it being Freedom Day, um, Independence Day. Um, this film is about freedom. This film encompasses the, um, the definition of what it means to um, be free. Uh, and not just be free as an independent, like in America, as a U.S. citizen, um, but to experience freedom from the clutches of the enemy. Um, when I went into the theater, um, I was expecting, actually, I was expecting... I was expecting more of a documentary um, rather than a, a full cinematic experience. Um, but I was pleasantly surprised. I was, um, I was misled. I didn't even watch the preview going into the theater. Um, it was kind of a, a last, uh, last minute decision, a uh, last day to t decision to, um, let me just raise my chair here. Yeah, there we go. Um, it was kind of a last-minute decision, a last-day decision to go see this movie. Um, and uh, from what I heard, it sounded more like a, a documentary, but um, I was pleasantly surprised that it wasn't. It was an actual film. It is based on true stories. Um, it is based on true events that happened surrounding um, the, the, the character and the real-life person of Tim Ballard. And so uh, let's, uh, let's get into this. So the, the, uh, let's see here. I'm gonna go, oh, right here. Sound, the Sound of Freedom. So I'm gonna read to you this synopsis really quick. Um, oops. This synopsis real quick. Um, that I, that I wrote up. So, The Sound of Freedom is a gripping and emotionally charged film based on true events that sheds light on the horrifying reality of child sex trafficking and the heroic efforts of individuals fighting to rescue victims from this heinous crime. Set in the present day, the film follows the inspiring journey of Tim Ballard, played by Jim Caviezel, who, if you know Shim Gavisel, he played Jesus in The Passion of the Christ. Um, so, this follows the inspiring journey of Tim Ballard, um, a former DHS agent, who, after leaving his job, connects with a few willing allies to take down a trafficking ring across the U.S., Mexico, and Colombia. So, that's, that's pretty much the synopsis of... Uh, of the of the movie um you know I, I could go into more detail about what the movie um is, uh, or the events of the movie but um i don't really want to spoil it 
Um, because honestly, it is that good of a movie to go see. Um, it's not just a movie that will move you emotionally. It is a movie that will move you physically and mentally as well. Um, a lot of my friends who have seen this movie um, were saying how they they left the theater crying. They were crying during the film. Um, and I, I, I'm a pretty emotional person. I'm a pretty emotional man. Um, but... And in, I think in any other circumstance, I would have, I would have been more emotional. I would have been, I would have cried. There were some scenes that um, I definitely um, started to, to, tears started to well up in my eyes. Um, but from the very first scene in the movie, my hands were just gripping the sides of my seat and my jaw was clenched and I felt this sense of frustration and righteous anger towards the people in this film, the perpetrators, the... um, the traffickers and the people uh, who Tim Ballard um, was was going up against. Um, you know, there there are some scenes in this movie uh, that will portray real life scenarios of how these traffickers interact with the children. And it doesn't go graphic, okay? But it sets a pretense and it sets, it sets the scene for you to continue it in your mind. And it just, it just makes me so um, angry. Um, and so, so not only does this film captivate you emotionally, mentally, physically. Um, Psychologically, it will have a, it it will move you. Psychologically, it will, um, it will affect you. Um, Some of you may be affected more than others. Um, Am I having nightmares because of this film no but I do feel impacted by this film to um, to do my part in spreading awareness of of this reality of this crime um, against children and against humanity in general um, you know when I when I first was typing up this synopsis for this film, I actually used ChatGPT uh, just to see what it would come up with. And um, some of it I did use in this synopsis, but the majority of it I did not. The reason being is because when 
when writing a synopsis of this film, um, when writing a synopsis of this of this film, um, it it did not use the term child. Uh, and it did not use the term sex trafficking. It used the term human trafficking. Now, there there may be a reason behind that, but um, even though they're, they can be one and the same, the reality is, is that this film is specifically about child sex trafficking. Okay? So... Um, so again, this th- this film does not um, shy away from exposing the larger picture. Okay, um, it does not point any single person out. It does not point any any organization out. It, it just points out the bigger picture. Um, it, um, it uses it uses broad terms but also uses specific terms as well. Um, but it doesn't it doesn't you know point a finger at any sort of specific organization that is involved with child tra- uh, child trafficking. Um, but it does expose, Again, the larger picture. So, um, I wanted to include in this review um, a little background of of what the film is about and the events that happen uh, during the film. Um, again, the, the the film is based on true events. It is not. Um, it does not follow these events verbatim, um, and so there is some fictional aspect uh, to this film. Um, sorry, my, my voice is always cracking in, in these episodes. So, in Sound of Freedom, on the, on the Angel Studios, um, website, the Sound of Freedom, the story, uh, the true story behind the movie Um, already, already kind of synops or had a synopsis of that. We'll we'll go down to um to to this. So who is who is the Sound of Freedom's uh, Tim Ballard? Tim Ballard is a is a prominent figure in the fight against human trafficking and the founder of Operation Underground Railroad a nonprofit organization de- dedicated to rescuing victims and bringing traffickers to justice. Tim Ballard began his career as a special agent for the U.S. Department of Homeland Security Human Trafficking Division. In 2006, Ballard embarked on his first undercover rescue mission while working for the government. He posed as a sex tourist to infiltrate a child sex trafficking ring in Cartagena, Colombia. This operation resulted in the successful rescue of multiple children and the arrest of several traffickers. 
It was a pivotal moment for Tim, and he realized the urgent need for a dedicated organization to combat human trafficking. Inspired by this experience, Tim left his government position and funded or founded Operation Underground Railroad in 2013. Um, the film depicts that, um, that when he left his job, he didn't immediately start this organization. Um, so it's implied in the film that he didn't start this organization until after the events of, of the, um, of the film that's in the film. Um, but, uh, but in reality, um, he, he started this relatively, relatively quickly. The organization works with law enforcement agencies worldwide to conduct rescue missions, gather evidence, and support the prosecution of traffickers. Tim's team consists of former law enforcement and military personnel who employ covert operations to rescue victims from brothels, slave markets, and other trafficking situations. Currently, Tim Ballard continues to lead Operation Underground Railroad, driving its mission forward. Um, There are some articles that are popping up within the last two days um, saying that uh, Tim Ballard is leaving Underground Railroad, um, the organization that he founded and he was the CEO of. Um, But I am not sure if those um, articles are um, factual and um, and backed. Um, I haven't seen any statement released by him or the organization um, but again, I could be wrong. Um, but it was just interesting to see that, um, following the release of the, the biggest movie of the year. Um, and I want to get into that by the way, in, in a little bit after I, after I recap some of the events here. Um, and I'll try not to spoil any, any big things, but, um, but I'm just going to give some background here, but, uh, later Later on in this episode, I'm going to talk about the significance of this of this movie, what the effect this movie is having on the general public and the media, and also um, what are the responses to this film and how it's receiving so much backlash. Okay. Um, so... One of the one of the characters, uh, the the one of the not not main characters, but one of the smaller characters of this film, um, is a uh, is a victim of of sex trafficking, um, Rocio, and uh, she is the sister of uh, Miguel, um, um, aka Teddy, um, which Teddy is uh, actually not his real name. It's not even a nickname that his father gave him, um, but his trafficker gave him. Um, in reality, um, in the in the in the film, her name is Rocio. Um, in reality, her uh, th- this character is based off of a victim named Gardy, um, and uh, Gardy in reality took a lot longer to find um, than. Uh, than the movie depicts. And so, uh, um, let's see here. Okay. 
So one of the main events covered in the movie is the siege um, of an of an island um, in in Cartagena or near Cartagena, as an island off of the coast. Um, Operation Triple Take, conducted by under uh, Operation Underground Railroad, and Homeland Security investigations in Colombia. The joint operation resulted in the rescue of 123 survivors. In the film, um, there is depicted only 55 or 50 something um, uh, uh, rescued survivors, um, but the 55 were only the minors. The the film does not depict the rest of the over the age of 18 victims of sex trafficking that were rescued during that operation. Um, it's just an amazing, amazing operation that happened. If you, if you want, I encourage you after this episode, go and do more research on the operations, uh, that, that Tim Ballard has done with his team, uh, during his time with Homeland Security and afterwards. When he founded the when he found, when he founded the organization, um, this this one resulted in 123 survivors, uh, approximately. Um, yeah, so so it says yeah in 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 the film uh, is is depicted where approximately 50 victims were rescued, um, and the film focuses on the on the children. Again, this this film focuses on children. Mostly, if not only children, um, it it does. They do allude to the bigger picture that sex trafficking happens to any age group, right? But there is a there is a um, a, speci- a specif- uh, a specific or a specific. Sorry, can I even say it? There is a specific. Uh, a light shed on child trafficking because not only is it um, not only is it just as serious as regular uh, as any human trafficking of any age but the reason why they uh, focus so much on the children is because the the trafficking of children is an even broader and bigger uh, uh, scheme. It is a bigger. Um, uh, it is a bigger money maker. It is a bigger. Uh, what's the term? Uh, it's it's bigger than human trafficking in general. It's bigger than. Uh, the amount of children that are being trafficked is a lot larger than um, than uh, humans over the age of 18. That's why there's such a, um, an importance placed on, on this. Um, the, the, the root of this, the root, the, the root problem behind this, of, of course, is is the enemy is this is the devil um but i personally believe just off of what i've researched and 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 watching this movie um 
if if we if we focus our our attention and our and our efforts and resources towards towards um the reducing and elimination of child trafficking it opens more doors to ending human trafficking altogether i i really believe that um uh, because there is such a focus on child trafficking uh because there is such a huge profit being made um from children and that's their biggest money maker out of all the human trafficking if we go towards that we can take on the bigger picture and and the bigger scheme so um Okay, uh, the children in the movie. Throughout the film, we witness the harrowing stories of various children who have fallen victim to sex trafficking. These characters are based on real individuals who may who have been rescued at different points in time. Among them, the character of Miguel holds a special significance. Um, yeah, so... I'm going to read this really quick because this, this, is, this is important. The importance of being aware of child trafficking as a crisis we are facing cannot be over, overstated. Sound of Freedom serves as a powerful catalyst, inspiring viewers to take action and demand change. This film shines a light on the harsh reality of trafficking and urges us to speak up and help whenever possible to truly understand the urgency and impact. Um, yeah, so I am going to uh, um, pull up this so this will be a little insight on tim ballard and and what he had to go through um in the beginning of his of his journey with child sex trafficking and uncovering it and and infiltrating it um and then also in this clip um from this jordan peterson um interview uh the 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 rea- uh, the reality of of Jim Caviezel um and and his work on this film and his um <clears throat> his methods of acting <clears throat> put him put him in a position where he actually went with Tim Ballard and other agents on missions or alongside them um, on some of these missions. And so he had a hands-on experience, which is why his, his role in this movie was, was acted and played so well because he actually got a glimpse, a, a hands-on glimpse, um, a hands-on experience in, in this world. Um, and this reality. So, and and he himself did a lot, extensive research on this on this topic, um, and so he prepared himself for this role really, really well. Um, let's go ahead and play this uh, this clip really quick. Uh, 
Let's see, this one. Okay. Um, let's see, hopefully you can hear this. Start with you. I mean, the movie... Maybe not. makes the case that there is a widely expanding network of slavery, essentially, making itself manifest worldwide, concentrating in no small part on very young children who are being sold repeatedly to pedophilic psychopaths to have at their will, and, of course, can be sold repeatedly for that purpose. And th the movie makes the case that this is now an operation that's rivaling the drug trade in magnitude. So, you know, it sounds like yet another right-wing conspiracy. So please, why don't you walk us through what you know and, and, and help me understand and everybody watching and listening exactly what you think is going on. Yeah, thank you so much, uh, Jordan. We're so grateful uh, you take your time to do this with us. So <clears throat> I spent 12 years as a special agent, undercover operator with the Department of Homeland Security. Most of my time, 90% of that time was spent investigating these cases, child crimes, child trafficking. And in fact, uh, those numbers are correct uh, that are being, this, these are Department of Labor, UN, these are sources that, um, you know, the, the best we have that say that there's close to 6 million children or more who are forced into sex slavery, labor slavery, or organ harvesting. And I can attest that I have been involved in, in cases involving all three of those forms of slavery multiple times. And this absolutely is a real thing. Um, <clears throat> it's not even far, far from home. Uh, it's the United States is the number one consumer year after year of child rape material. Uh, and oftentimes we, we're close to number one in production. Um, and it's a serious matter. You know? Okay, that right there should tell you how extreme this is. The fact that the U.S. is the top not only in trafficking, but production, production of child pornography is just... I can't wrap my mind around that, okay? I, I just can't. Let me just say this, guys. We... America has painted itself a picture of what of what of what it needs to be of what it should be and back even 20 30 40 and 50 years ago The, 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 the true America, the land of the free, the home of the brave, the, um, uh, the, the American dream, the, 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 the beacon on the hill that the Bible talks about. America used to be that. Um, and over the last 20, 30 years, it has drastically gone downhill. Um, <clears throat> and if this statistic does not, I know it doesn't, I know America can't identify itself solely on this statistic, 
but it should give you an idea of how far we have let ourselves go. For sure. For sure. You know, the, the case, um, the, the story in Sound of Freedom kicks off with a, the rescue of a little boy at the port of entry uh, at, the, at the southern border. That's a real story, a real boy um, that I, I was on that port of entry. I was 10 years on the southern border. So when you have 85,000 unaccompanied minors showing up in the last two years being let into the country without the sponsor being vetted, DNA checked, background checked, um, you know, I call it the economy of pedophilia. Uh, the United States, where are the demand? 85,000 children, thousands of them are under five years old. Or led into the country, so we we have we have a serious serious problem, and uh, it's it's not being addressed as it should be. Hopefully, this film can do that. Have have what has been your experience with? Okay, the second clip I want to show you is. Come on, there it is. Um. Where is this? Sorry, I'm so sorry. Um, yes, okay. Uh, this clip right here um, kind of it gives you an idea of what Tim Ballard has to or had to deal with on almost a daily basis when he became a, a special agent for DHS um, and dealing with, uh, with, with pedophilia um, and uh, undercovering or uh, undercover um, operations um, and, and what he had to, had to experience there. I would like you, if you would, to tell us to the degree that you can what you were typically dealing with when you started the, when you started working for the child sex crimes unit let us know what you saw let us know what you what that did to you because that sort of thing that changes people's conceptions of humanity per se let's say the nature of the cosmos and and what it means to be human right i mean when you're when you're in contact with people who are capable of that level of darkness you start to understand something about the nature of the human soul that you can't understand any other way and that can be a, i mean that's the sort of thing that gives people post traumatic stress disorder when they're soldiers so and, and now you said also your supervisors had an inkling that you might be protected against that, at least to some degree, because of your faith. So let's walk through what you learned and encountered first. What, what did you see when you were working as part of this child sex crimes unit? What I saw was so shocking, Jordan. Uh, I thought child sex crimes would be 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds. Uh, my brain couldn't comprehend something more evil than abusing that age. The very first case I worked in 2002, I believe, I was given a, a bunch of VHS videos, some hard drives to look at that, that had been seized and it weren't. The very first um, image I saw um, were, um, there were three, uh, three little boys uh, <clears throat> that were probably seven, five, and three. And they looked, uh, like, they looked like my children. They had, you know, they had blonde, blonde, eye, blonde hair, blue eyes, and they were being just raped, raped, these three little boys by this pedophile. And I was so shocked. I fell to my knees. I dry heaved, thinking I was going to throw up uh, into the wastebasket. I jumped into my car. I drove to my children's school, my three oldest kids. 
I checked them out. I still remember in my mind, I can still see dentist, dentist, dentist appointment I wrote. And I grabbed them, I took them home and just sobbed on the floor. My wife came in and I just, I wouldn't let the kids go, I was just holding them and shaking. Um, that was my very first experience. Uh, you talk about PTSD. I absolutely deal with PTSD to this day. Um, I wanted to address something really quick um, because uh, this is where, you know, my knowledge of of deliverance and the necessity for deliverance um, comes in, comes into play. Um, uh, Tim Ballard is... Um, his upbringing is in the LDS uh, denomination or LDS church. Um, and the uh, Mormons don't believe in, uh, in deliverance or, um, or exorcism or the, the, the need for the casting out of demons. Um, they, they don't really practice the gifts of the Holy spirit um, uh, let alone, um, you know, work in deliverance. However, if you listen to Tim Ballard in other interviews, um, even in this interview, um, but we won't get into, into those clips, um, the way he describes, um, you know, these people, these monsters, um, who do these things to children, um, he he describes them in a way that is akin to um, them being demon possessed, um, which is absolutely true. Um, yes, they are. Yes, they are res- solely responsible for what they do, um, and they will be held accountable at um, on Judgment Day. Um, and uh, they will not enter the kingdom of God unless they repent from their ways and turn to the Lord. Um, and yes, that is the reality. Uh, no matter what, how grievous of a sin we have committed, um, if we repent and turn from our ways and give our life to the Lord, we, we will enter the kingdom of heaven. Doesn't, doesn't matter how grievous of a crime we have committed because Jesus paid for every, every sin on the cross. Um, and, and also in these interviews, um, you can, there is an underlying tone of compassion that Tim Ballard has because he knows the evil that's behind them. When you have a realization that not everyone is good, um, but that there is a evil presence behind the actions and and the lifestyles of certain people. Um, when you have that realization that there is evil behind um, these the, these schemes of the enemy you will start to have compassion for these people because even though, yes, they are responsible for their actions and they will be held accountable at the end of the day, they are a victim of evil as well. Uh, uh, 
and they have let themselves fall victim to this evil. They have given into their ways. It says in the Bible that that um, um, that that the sinners will be given, or that 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 they will be um, given unto their sin, or they will be um, they will fall victim to their own uh, their own ways. Okay, um, and that's the whole thing about open doors is that when we allow the enemy a foothold in our lives, um, we are allowing them to have way with us in whatever the, whatever, uh, the enemy seems, seems fit, right? Um, so I don't know where I was going with this, but um, yeah, I wanted to, to um, make you guys aware of the reality that principalities and dark forces are behind um, this work of the enemy. And the enemy is using these pawns that were once long ago innocent, um, but over over the course of time and Jordan Peterson goes into this more um when he talks about pedophilia and the psychology behind it um it's 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 a progression over time it starts with little things and then it turns into a fantasy it turns into a lifestyle and it turns into a reality a world that they step into and live daily um so but it starts off slowly. Anyways, let's continue this little clip real quick. I, I took too long to actually deal with it. Uh, that's another story. Um, and I thought, I can't, I can't do this. I can't do this. Um, I started getting help immediately because uh, I didn't want to quit. Uh, and uh, that, that's, that's what this is. That's what this is. And um, those kind of videos have increased over the last couple of years by 5,000%. Yeah, well, in, in, in Canada, um, we just had a report from an organization called the Western Standard that one million child sexual exploitation photos and videos have been identified in an Alberta child porn investigation. One million photos, eight arrests made. Okay, so that's some indication of the widespread nature of the problem. Now, okay. Um, just another kind of reality check there about how how prominent this business is. Um, it's a business. It's not just a fantasy. It's a, it's a business. Just like drugs is a business. Um, and, you know, the, the, some of the statistics that will be shown at the end of the film when you watch it, um, before there is an interview with Jim Caviezel himself, um, it, one of the statistics is not only is the U.S. the top buyer and seller, okay, um, but that child trafficking and child exploitation is a bigger, broader, and more profitable business than the drug epidemic 
in America. Which we know is the the drug the drug epidemic is even more visible than the child trafficking epidemic. We see the result of this drug epidemic on the streets of Seattle, of bigger of 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 bigger cities, but even I, I see it even on the streets of my own hometown. Um the, the the drug epidemic is is far more visible. But just because it's far more visible does not mean it's bigger than any of the other epidemics that are happening as well. The child trafficking epidemic is far greater in profitability and in measure uh, than than drugs. The re- uh, reason being is because um, uh, one of the things that Jim Caviezel uh, uh, said in an interview, and I think he said this in the in the in the film as well, that a um, a, a a pound of cocaine. Uh, can be, uh, you know, uh, can be bought and sold once and used. It's ingested and, and not seen again. But a child can be bought and sold up to five, maybe ten times a day. Like, try and get that through your head. It's it, it's 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 impossible to wrap your mind around that statistic, and it's it's very it's very frustrating. It's very get, it gets me angry, and and it really it really saddens and hurts my heart because I know it hurts the Lord, it hurts the Lord's. Um, one more clip I wanted to show you about uh, about Jim Caviezel's work and and how uh, and what he did. Um, to uh, uh, what he what he did to uh, to to act effectively in this movie. Jim, let me ask you. So now you didn't have to go through the same things that Tim did, and you obviously weren't subject to the same kind of exposure, but you had to play this role and you had to act out in your imagination the darkness that characterized the people who played your enemies, let's say, on the screen. What were the consequences for you of having to delve even on the fictional landscape into this entire, uh, what would you say, underworld domain? Well, let's um, start with your story initially when you brought up Cain and Abel. Um, In my years of working with agents like Tim, and I actually worked with other agents because Tim was very busy doing missions at the time, and I got to go into a lot of his world. I mean, those are the guys that I play, so I don't imitate other actors. I go and meet these guys and really learn and study what they do. Cain and Abel, for example, Abel is doing good things for God. How would Cain hurt God? By killing Abel, by wounding him. When I go and play, for example, uh, a serial killer or a man that you mentioned earlier, Ted Bundy, who my friend uh, broke that case and found out who he was, um, Mike Tando. So you're the beast that comes in you. He he, he um, comes in and he um, 
deceives you and, and starts with the ego and the whole thing. And then eventually the turn is, is how uh, that you're eventually not fair, uh, non-servium uh, becomes um, one who, how can I wound God the most by killing the most innocent child? And it wounds God in the greatest way when you take these innocent children who've done nothing and have no sin. And these guys um, uh, um, have the attitude, which uh, you were mentioning earlier, all the cutting of the corners and whatnot. And ultimately, they um, can uh, kill the most innocent and effectively wounds God's heart the most. Um, I spent a great deal of time. I did this movie, uh, Deja Vu, and I played a uh, Unabomber. And I was on the phone with um, um, a friend, a, a friend of mine who. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip this part a little bit. He he's a little bit repetitive, but I wanted to point out something as well um, about Jim Caviezel. So, in several interviews with Jim Caviezel, uh, post making this movie. Um, at first, I thought it was attributed to him getting older. Uh, but it's, he sounds different. He composes himself a little bit differently compared to interviews with him and, and, um, and, you know, uh, different videos of him prior to his work on this film and prior to work on some other films that are similar to this, um, as far as the, as what as far as what he had to go through in order to play the roles that he did um in this interview jim really shows how how much this film broke him how much this film psychologically changed him as well um he is more soft-spoken. He was soft-spoken before, but now he's even more soft-spoken. Um, and 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 his his composure is 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 different. Um, you can tell that he has a lot of a lot of hurt. Like he's he's seen stuff. Because remember, he in order to play this role effectively, he went with Tim. Ballard and and other agents on missions similar to the ones depicted in the movie um and like there was even one point where he uh he was talking about um they were filming down in i i want to say it was columbia and during the filming um the uh the the, the special the real special agents that were and the, and the real um, special forces that were surrounding him at the time that were working with him um, had to go off on an actual mission and they rescued uh, like a hundred or more kids. So like he was, he was in the middle of it. He was in the thick of it. Right. And he witnessed a lot of things. Um, and so, uh, he had a glimpse into Tim Ballard's life, which is why he's able to play this role so effectively. As far as method acting, this, uh, Jim Caviezel has, um, has Leonardo DiCaprio and 
um, and other actors uh, that do method acting, like he he shoots them out of the ballpark. Because, <laughs> I mean, to be to be able to go through what he's gone through, um, to be able to play through play this role, I don't think I personally would be able to do that. But, um, anyways, let's back to this interview. Broke the case and uh, Ted Bundy, and I talked to him a oh, lot about uh, serial killers. And then um, I got to look at the um, well, the FBI and the ATF gave me uh, uh, through Jerry Bruckheimer and Tony Scott. I got all these videos to look at, and the and um, but uh, in this particular um, story, I play this this guy, this um, bomber, and I don't go to uh, the devil to play the devil. I think make, many actors make that mistake. Mm. Go to God to tell you who the devil is. That's what I do. And it also gives me a protection. What's the um, difference? What's the difference, Jim? Like, because that also bears on how you protect yourself from such things. Um, the difference, the, are you saying um, the difference in the, the difference is, is that I, I play the truth. So if you go and play, go to the devil to play the devil, the devil will deceive you mm. and put something up there that uh, deceives the public. He'll always try to hide in the shadow. He'll always try because he doesn't like the light, even though he's called the light, the illuminator, um, the uh, Lucifer. Um, and he tries to mimic God. He tries to be like God. So there's always like, a, the, if God has love and what we see is love, he creates lust. So always trying to be like that. Mm, it's like uh, Cain yeah, trying to true. rip off Abel, cutting the corners. And um, so committing to... There's, well, there's a tendency, even in Milton's, uh, in, in, in Milton's Paradise Lost, there's been two readings of that forever, and one of them is that Milton. So Jordan goes on to uh, to talk about um, Milton's um, Satan and and um, how Satan and, and evil is portrayed in in that in that story. Um, but I um, I just want to show you those 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 clips to uh, to show you what kind of behind the scenes of what Tim Ballard has to go had to go through and what Jim Caviezel had to go through in order to play Tim Ballard and um and what and get a glimpse of what he went into um but uh um I'm gonna go ahead and just kind of leave it there guys because the more I talk about this um the more you're gonna feel like you have more extensive information on this film and you don't need to see it you need to see this you need to see this film um I, uh, uh, Angel Studios, um, I'll pull it up right here, um, has a pay it forward, uh, program, sorry, has a pay it forward, port forward program. So go to Angel's, uh, um, uh, Angel's, Angel Studio, angel.com slash tickets. Um, and, uh, you can put in your zip code. So... Um, so here in, uh, in, uh, Tri-Cities, uh, there's, uh, AMC and, um, and there's Fairchild Pasco, um, click on the show times. And, um, I do believe, let me just test it out here. Um, let's go to 750. Oh, that already started. Okay. Nine PM. Um, you can pick your seat and you can, uh, you can either purchase tickets and if you can't afford it, 
um, uh, they have a pay it forward program where um, people uh, like myself have have bought um, tickets for people to be able to see this movie uh, for free. And it was my pleasure to do so because um, this this movie impacted me and this movie um, moved me. And so um, I, I want others to be able to experience that same moving and that and that tugging on your heart um, for this um, the same way as it tugged mine. Um, so, yeah, so that's angel.com slash tickets. Um, guys, I'm going to go ahead and, and leave it, uh, leave it here. If you guys have watched this movie already, um, let me know in the comments, um, your experience watching the movie, um, what you got from it, um, what stood out to you the most and, um, how do you plan to move forward now that you, uh, have gotten a glimpse into the reality of this heinous, uh, uh, scheme of the enemy um, known as child sex trafficking. Um, guys, uh, sorry, this episode was a little bit of a, of a downer this time. Um, but I really felt it on my heart to, to review this film and, uh, let you guys have a glimpse into the behind the scenes of this film. Um, and, and really, uh, um, and promote it. I'm, I'm, I'm selfishly, I'm just promoting it. (laughs) So, um, anyways, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. Um, next time, next episode is going to be a bonus episode and I plan on having a special guest, um, on this episode and, uh, something new is, uh, is happening with the podcast. Um, uh, little spoiler alert. Um, I'm going to be rebranding the podcast just a little bit. Um, and it, it's, it's going to be a rebrand, uh, of title. Um, but it's, it's, it's going to have a little bit of a rebrand in the focus of the podcast. Um, a little thing here is that um, the Reflecting in Podcast has been a mixture of teachings, interviews, uh, testimonies, personal experiences and stories, um, and really trying to... Uh, equip people and teach people how to reflect Jesus and how he lived um, and what he commands us to do and how he wants us to live. Um, And I still want to do that, Um, but I want to focus on, I want to focus more on the uh, how to live the Christian life uh, to the fullest. Um, And that comes by being open, honest, and vulnerable with each other, having guests on to express that vulnerability, whether it's through sharing their testimony, um, a real-life experience, um, or uh, or doing a teaching, that uh that has to do with uh with those things vulnerability honesty uh being open and raw um with uh with everyone about what the christian lifestyle is like how it should be and um what the reality is of what it looks like to live a life 
walking with Jesus and walking in the faith. Because it's not always rainbows and butterflies. There are some uh, not-so-pretty um, aspects about walking the faith and, and living a, a life, uh, living the life that God has called us to live. Sometimes um, it can be overwhelming. Um, sometimes it can leave you an emotional wreck. Uh, so so these, these stories that I plan on telling, um, these interviews that I plan on having with people, um, all of it is to paint a real picture of what the Christian life is like and what it means and what it looks like to serve the God we serve and to serve other people and to, and to make this world um, a better place through our experiences and through uh, what God's word uh, tells us. All right, so that's a little glimpse of what, uh, of what to look forward to uh, uh, in the future of this podcast. Um, so this is not the end of the podcast. This is just a new, a new beginning, a refresher, and um, honing in um, to, to, to what God really wants this podcast to be about, and that's being the raw Christian, um, the raw, honest, and vulnerable Christian. Uh, all right, guys. I'll see you guys uh, for this bonus episode in two weeks. Um, and uh, until next time, stay strong, stay courageous, stay bold for the gospel, and stay faithful. Um, stay in God's word. And uh, always strive to be a better version of yourself every day. In Jesus' name. See you guys next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Reflecting In Podcast. If this episode blessed you in any way, please leave a review either on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or our Facebook page at facebook.com slash reflectinghim. Until next time, stay humble, strong, and courageous.